I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. Well, sis, how was your Halloween? Um, My Halloween was fairly low key. Uh, My children are now man children. And so they are not even remotely interested in anything that involves their mama Um, at Halloween, at least. And they are in general, they love me, of course. Uh, But, but yeah, they were, they had like plans, you know, one of them was like, yeah, I'm going to an escape room. And the other one's like, yeah, I'm going to this apple cider party gathering. I was like, oh, okay. Okay. apple cider and some chili or some situation (laughs) like this is what young people do and I was like okay cool so I just sat on my couch and watched Coco one of my favorite animated films of all time Mm. and Loki kind of had a light off because you know I don't like the whole like getting up over and over again to for trick-or-treaters that's terrible I know I feel like a wow But can I say I live on a really busy street and I don't get a lot of trick-or-treaters, so it's not steady. Mm. Are, are you are you the type to leave the bowl outside on the porch? You know, you I, I did that before once, but like, I I think that the people that are, they, they want to have the interaction, so they would mm-hmm. still ring my doorbell. And <laughs> I'm like, you know, either I just need to full on commit to that thing or not. And I decided... Gosh, this sounds so bad. I, you know, y'all, please don't. But you know what? I'm human. This is the human doctor podcast. It sure is. And this human wanted to watch Coco without interruptions. <laughs> nah, you deserve that. What about you? What did you and Mahalia do? Mahalia and I sat on the couch. We have been back and forth. At least I have been very against Squid Games. I was like, I'm not watching that <gasps> stuff. I'm not watching it. I haven't watched it yet. Don't spoil it. I won't because I only watched two episodes and I was like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> Is it scary? It's not scary. At least I don't think so. The, but the, the concept itself, I think you probably know like what, what it's about. Like Hunger Games-ish? Exactly. I find it interesting, but I don't typically enjoy that type of stuff. I yeah. just, my, my curiosity got the best of me. But yeah, I actually used to be into scary movies when mm-hmm. I was younger. And then there was there was one movie that did it for me. What movie? What movie did it for you? Hostel. I don't even know what that is. What is that? So the, the premise is it's this underground club where rich people can pay a lot of money to mm-hmm. play out their fantasies of murder. Like I left theater and I was just like, I don't feel good at all. Yeah. And then, of course, I went back and watched the second one. And then after that, I was like, all right, I'm done. done. I'm done. That's how I felt when I watched Get Out. I was like, really? Get Out? Get Out terrified me. I was just like, oh, my gosh. I don't know. It was something about that point when he tapped that guy on the shoulder and he turned around and he was like, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, what is going on with these people being inhabited? So 
Yeah. I just imagine like, gosh, what if somebody put me in the sunken place? What is it called? The sunken, sunken place. Yeah. Oh, I think about that too. But yeah, man, uh, my spirit can't handle it anymore. <sighs> yeah. Well, we on the same page there. So. Cool. No, no scary movies for you, huh? Nope. So did you learn anything this week? Where my mind is at right now is this book that I read most of the weekend, which you've already read. It's called The Love Songs of W.E.B. Du Bois. Uh, swoon. Yes. I didn't even really know what it was going to be about, to be honest. I was like, oh, maybe this is an actual book of love songs. But it is not that although there are amazing quotes and references to his work woven in throughout the book, mm-hmm. but it just traces all family throughout generations and kind of the connections and, you know, the, the horrors and the beauty and the love and the challenges of this family. And I love stuff like that. I love thinking about stories that, mm-hmm. you know, transcend throughout time. And I love thinking about that for my own family. Yeah. You know, I don't have a lot of that history. I can imagine it. And that book kind of like stirs those memories for me. And I also love that she tapped into some of even though it hurt to read some ugly aspects of the lives and experiences of enslaved people that I wondered, I'm like, I bet you that happened, Mm -hmm. but she just went there on some things. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's, it's tough, but it's also just, just extraordinarily human. And I'm I'm blanking on the author's name, Honore, Honore Jeffers. Jeffers, Honore Jeffers. Okay. Absolutely. She responded to me on a tweet, you know. What? Okay. Uh, gave me my whole life. I, said, I love this book. She said, thanks. I was like, what? How about that? <laughs> look, I tried to, I tried to start a conversation. She just hit it. Hit she was like, look, just take what I gave you. And- That's the end of that. <laughs> Here's a like, and I'm gonna need you to sit it down, lady. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what I learned about this week? I was reading about ticks. Mm. Not ticks that bite you after walking through the woods, but a tick movement. Like T-I-C. tick, you know. So a child that is connected to me developed a tick. And of course, you know, that's an alarming thing to see if it wasn't going on before. And seeing as I am MedPeds trained, you would like to believe that I already had something in my fund of knowledge to counsel somebody about said new newly developed tick but no I did not but I'm human and this is the human doctor podcast part of that is that we don't know everything (laughs) so what I learned about was um transitory ticks which are temporary they often just come on out of nowhere no no real precipitant or anything ticks can be all sorts of things they can be an eye blink they can be coughs they can be throat clearing they can be a movement um, that's repetitive. And oftentimes the best advice that you can give is to not center on it too much. Don't keep pointing it out. Try not to worry about it that much. I um, mean, often the same way it kind of slid into your life, it'll just sort of slide out of your life. Interesting. Yeah. And of course there are things like Tourette syndrome mm-hmm. and some connections to OCD that sometimes people will have ticks that stay for a long time. Mm-hmm. But transitory ticks are very common in young people, particularly pediatric population, and they tend to go away. And just how long it takes for them to go away, I think it varies from person to person, but that's nice anticipatory guidance to be able to give to somebody that this is probably going to go away. Mm, you know, um, yeah. Cool. 
Well, thank you for, for bringing us back to something medical. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes. You know, the nerdiness comes from every direction. I love it. All right, sis. Well, I am excited for you to regale all of us with the story this morning. What's the what? The what is growth. Growth. And if I was afforded a second word to pair with it, it would be unexpected growth. Unexpected growth. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're going to give, we're going to give the pass for this episode to have two words. I like those two together. (laughs) All right. I'm going to do my best to tell this story. So today is the start of November. Mm-hmm. And it's just worth mentioning that November is a, a pivotal month in my family because it is the month that my sister passed away. Mm. Um, my sister, Deanna LaShawn Draper, my fellow Tuskegee alum, my Delta soror, my older sister, she transitioned from this life on November 15th, 2012. And I want to tell you about the time around when my sister died. And I'll tell you that, you know, I think people will perhaps be able to relate to moments like this. I even think about, you know, your grandmother when she passed and how there are just certain things that you remember in high def about the time, like immediately proceeding mm-hmm. um, after. And, you know, Ash, I'm hoping that even as, as, as we continue to think about, you know, the recent one year mark, of evangelist Shelly Rael's passing that you also find some thoughts and reflections in this story too. Absolutely. So, you know, on November, like the 13th or so, which was a couple of days um, beforehand, I, I was working on a talk that I was given for the first time. And anybody who's ever given a talk for the first time, you know, knows that your first time giving any talk is kind of like, oh, you're nervous. You want to get it right. And this was a talk that I was just giving only to the residents. But what was unique about it is that I'd had this idea that I wanted my talk to be a talk like no talk I'd ever given before. I wanted it to be kind of like TED Talk style. And it was going to be called The Patient as Our Teacher, Timeless Lessons and Teachable Moments. And spoiler, I have given this same talk probably no less than 20 times since then. But Mm -hmm. this was the first time I was going to give it. And it was a novel idea. Um, It was going to be no words on it. It was going to be all stories and lessons that I had learned from patients as a talk. And the first person I ever told about it was my sister who used to pick my kids up after school, come home, settle them and do homework with them. And a lot of times we would just kind of converse a little bit at the end of the day before she left. And she would usually leave like 10, 15 minutes after I got in. So first of all, my sister agreed to watch me practice this talk on the 13th or so. So she gives me feedback. She was like, I think it's going to be dope, you know? And I was like, oh, you know, people are going to think it doesn't have enough literature in it and stuff. She was like, nah, it's going to be dope. I think you're going to teach people a lot. Just do you, this is important. You know, she told me all this stuff, right? It was great. Mm. So that was on the 13th. The day before my sister passed away was a day when my son, Zachary, had a project um, that was due. And it was something for Thanksgiving where it was a turkey that you had Mm -hmm. to decorate. And so I came home from work and my whole like dining room table was covered with red glitter. It was just like (laughs) glitter, glue, crap everywhere. It was a mess. And, you know, Zachary had made this whole like, super turkey thing and he had a little speech that Deanna to help him prepare 
I got in the house and it was about six. And normally my sister left at like 6.15. So I walk through the door and I have a few groceries in my hands. And I say, I'm about to make some spaghetti. And my sister don't even particularly like spaghetti, but I was like, you know, you could stick around or, you know, you could get going. Almost always my sister would say, girl, I'm going to see y'all later. No, I love you. I'll see you later. For whatever reason, she said, I'll, I'll stay. I'll stay. So I prepare this spaghetti and my sister sits at the table and Zachary keeps practicing a little thing. And Isaiah's doing something else with her and my husband's home. And we're all just kind of yucking it up. And um, we eat dinner together. And my sister doesn't leave that night until like about 930 at night. And even if I track back, there was a day that same week where I had said, I don't think you need to come by here today. I, I'm going to get off early. And she went over to my brother's house mm. and was at his house with his kids all evening long, doing the girl's hair, hanging out, being the awesome auntie that she was. So my sister sends me a text message when she gets home at about 10 o'clock at night. It's like, oh my God, it was traffic, but you know, whatever. The following day was my talk. Mm -hmm. I go give this talk. It was dope. I crushed it. I had prepared it. My sister had given me wings to fly. It was like no talk I've ever given. And probably to date is probably one of the talks I'm the most proud of to give. And every time I give it, it feels like I'm giving it brand new and like it is not recycled, right? I tried to text her to tell her how it went, but you know, she was at work. So I was like, eh, whatever. When it was came time for me to get off of work, clinic got out a little early and I was able to leave early. Mm -hmm. I was calling my sister to try to get her to tell her that I didn't need her to come and, and she didn't answer. It's so weird when I got to the top of the Grady parking garage, cause I was parked at the very top level where you could see the whole city of Atlanta, see the hospital and see everything. And it was beautiful that night. I mean, it was crystal clear outside. It was like the, the, the sun was trying to set a little bit. It was such a perfect, perfect early evening. Mm. I took a selfie of myself on that roof because I was like, this is such a beautiful, because you know, I'm a, I, I just wanted to capture the moment. And I, I tried to text my sister a couple more times. I'm not getting her. But I noticed her iPhone messages were coming up green, which suggested that her phone was not charged or plugged in. I was like, that is so weird because my sister is like somebody that like always got her phone, right? Yeah. I'm getting closer to home and I keep calling her. It's going straight to voicemail, straight to voicemail. And I'm like, dang. So at this point, it's probably about 5.15. And one thing about my sister is that she, she used to tell me that it's trifling to be the last parent to get your kid out of aftercare. She always got the kid so that they wouldn't be the like 630 kid. Right. Yeah. So I call my husband. He didn't answer his phone. And then I called my home phone thinking maybe my sister is at my house already. Yeah. But my husband answers the home phone. Now, y'all know, don't nobody answer home phones. So nobody nope. even have a home phone. My <laughs> home phone never rings. But my husband was home and he says, hey, have you talked to Deanna? I've been trying to call her. And she's not picking up the phone. I'm trying to tell her I'm home and I don't need her to get the kids. I'll run and get them. I'm here. I'm like, that's so weird because I'm trying to call her too. And he was like, oh, that's weird. And I said, dang, that's crazy. I said, I tell you what, you know, it's almost 530. Go up to the school and see if the kids are up there because maybe she took them somewhere. Maybe they went to eat or something and go do something. 
Yeah. He was like, okay, cool. I said, call me when you get there. He calls me when he gets there and he says, the kids are here. And Ashley, I am telling you, sure as my name is Kimberly Diane Nanny, I immediately, immediately had discernment that something was extremely wrong and not just extremely wrong. I, I said to Harry over her dead body, would she have those kids at that school at 5.30 PM over her dead body? And when I said it, I froze because I said, oh my God, the only thing that would stop her from coming to get her, these kids, I don't care if she got arrested, she would have figured out how to get, get me to know that those kids were still at that school. I said, something's wrong. I'm getting ready to drive to her house. And he was like, wrong, like what? I said, wrong, like wrong. I said, and take those kids and go do something fun with them. Go do something really happy with them because I got a feeling something. I, the only way she would not be there if she physically couldn't be there. And I started driving toward her house and I called my mother and I said, mom, I told her that I thought something was wrong. I called my sister and I said, check and see if she's been on social media. She hadn't called my brother and I called my dad. And finally I just pulled my car over and I was on the way to her house and I just sat on the side of the road and I just was like, all right, now, you know, I'm a person of faith. I'm a praying person. But I was talking exactly like I'm talking now. I was like, check this out, God. Something you, I, Something's telling me that you have taken my parents' child. Mm. Now, something is telling me that. You are giving me this strong feeling that that is what happened. And if you took my parents' child, you're going to have to equip me with something that like, that just... Ugh, like that, that is bigger and stronger than anything. You're going to have to keep my wits about me. You're going to have to tell me what to do, you know, and if you listen into this and you're not a person of faith, you know, whatever aha moment or discerning defining moment, this was one of them. Mm -hmm. And from then I was just covered with calm. And, you know, I told my family, it was just like, these things came to me. I'm like, do not go in that house. If you get there, cause we all had keys to the house call the police. We called 911. They came, they found her. <sighs> and as the story goes, you know, my sister had had some type of a sudden cardiac death or something. If you had told me that day when I took my picture on top of that roof of Grady hospitals parking lot, that my, that, that my sister was going to be gone. I would have told you that you might as well take me and throw me off of that roof right then and there. There's no way I could live through that. If you would have told me that I would have had to watch my parents mourn the loss of their child or tell my kids that their auntie that's in their house every single day with them is gone here one day with glitter gone the next, I would have been like, no way. But that is what happened. Mm. And what I could do is tell you how sad it was because it was, it was sad. It was bad and it's still sad. But man, you know, we talk so much in medicine about post-traumatic stress. But in this is a thing that is described. There is something called post-traumatic growth. Mm. And I experienced it. When my sister died, I, I feel like every single thing got focused around me. Like I started to think about everything I was doing differently. I felt an urgency to do what I'm supposed to be doing. I started redefining relationships that made me tired, distancing myself from people who sapped from me and did not pour into me, stop being afraid to not do stuff or try stuff and just, ugh, 
I'm trying not to cry. But when I came in her house, it was it was as if she was gonna come right back. It was as if she went to run an errand. I said, dang, you know what? You do not know what's yeah. gonna happen. But that same like petition that I made, please help me to get through this and to be there for my parents so that they can mourn. Yeah. Help me, help me just do the stuff, do the things. But more than that happened. It's like I wrote voraciously that year. I wrote like a, a maniac as a wellness activity and to work through my grief. And I wrote some of the best, most courageous, most dope things I've ever written. I created some of the most powerful things educationally, um, as a leader, um, just totally different that year, you know, I got some teaching awards and I never even saw coming, but I was just so fearless and felt such urgency to do me. And I would not want my sister to leave. I would want my sister to be here, but I am another person. I'm another person. I am, I, I am, I am so different. And I, and, and my patients are better for it. My parents are better for it. My children are better for it. My friends, my community is just better for it. <laughs> and, and, and I just, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I know that. And the best of all of it is that I'm aware. I'm aware of it. I, I just think that if something awful happens, and I think the same can be said about the pandemic, it's mm-hmm. awful. But instead of focusing on the trauma of it, I just encourage people to start looking for where, where is the post-traumatic growth in this? You know what I'm saying? You obviously did not warn me about what you were going to be <laughs> speaking about this morning, but... Yeah, no, I think the the growth that happens in unexpected ways that resonates with me for for obvious reasons. But I think what, what struck me, what what brought tears to my eyes was in that moment, you pull it together for for those around you as well. And I think that was one of the things that allowed me, I think, to do things that I never thought that I could do, which is to be there signing DNR orders and and filling out hospice information and the thing that the thing that pushed me was my mom. Hmm. I couldn't imagine her having to do that by herself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the fact of watching my mom lose her mom, mm-hmm. that was hard. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do everything possible to make sure that she was able to get through that. But I, I was surprised after all was said and done by just how much that brought my family together. You know, I imagine similar to what you mentioned, just the, the growth. I, I, I'm absolutely changed from, from that experience. I would not want to go through it again. And in some ways I, I worry about, you know, the next ball that's going to drop, yeah. but you know, those moments, if you could just look a little bit past the, the, the tragedy and like the sorrow into what is possible on the horizon. Yeah. It's a game changer. And just, it's okay to, to sit with the sad sometimes and to let the tears flow. But I almost feel like there's like a a flame that lights in you. Mm -hmm. And what are you going to do with it? Like, what are you going to do with that flame? You know, we found this old 
Facebook post that my sister wrote that said like, yeah, I watched, um, what's that movie? The Notebook. And she's like, I decided that's how me and my siblings need to die. We just need to all get in a bed together one day in our nineties, <laughs> holding hands and just fall asleep. And I was like, man, you know, that's because it was unimaginable. Yeah. Um, unimaginable for who would go first. Like we can't. One of the things that, that you said on your, when you did the podcast with Hello Health with your friend that mm-hmm. will always stick with me. In fact, I actually sent the episode to my mom and this was something that she mm-hmm. mentioned too. The fact that, you know, when you hold the folks that you love dearly and make sure that they know how you feel and that when the unexpected happens that there's no regrets there all you have to do is miss them yep and that to me was just so liberating and so true of what I felt around my grandmother was that she knew exactly how I felt and I will always wish I had more time but I'm grateful that all I have to do is miss her and if all you have to do is miss somebody that that means you left it all on the field Mm -hmm. So November is, is a turning point uh, month for me. The mm-hmm. leaves start to break away from the trees and, you know, to feel the crisp in the air. And um, it just fills my chest with something that's very hard to put my finger on, but mostly um, just gratitude. Mm-hmm. Even crying and telling that story is not because I'm sad. It's because I'm in awe of, of what the human spirit can do if we let it. Mm. Amen. Well, girl, I got to do residency interviews and I can't be crying. (laughs) (laughs) For the applicant who is lucky enough to be interviewed by the Dr. Kimberly Manning in no less than two to three minutes, please know that these tears are not about you. (laughs) I'm like, oh goodness, I'm dealing with allergies. (laughs) (laughs) well sis um I love you I hope you have the most spectacular day and that you go into this day doing dope things that would honor the memory of your grandmother and the spirits of your sister Deanna will be in my heart throughout this month as well And um, I'm just so grateful for the legacy that she leaves in you and in your family. And it's a gift for me to be a part of your life. Ditto, sis. (laughs) All right, holla. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and The Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.